What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, June 21st, 2021, and this week's episode, Veterans Rise Again. We'll be talking about everything UFC Vegas 29, the Korean zombie getting the win over Dan Ige. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, Anderson Silva fighting and boxing Julio Cesar Chavez like it's 2010, the controversial split decision lost for Rory McDonald against Glayson Tebow, Max Holloway being out of the fight with Yair Rodriguez, Vitor Belfort boxing Oscar De La Hoya, and we'll cap the show off by looking ahead to this coming week's event, UFC Vegas 30, featuring Cyril Ghosn and Alexander Volkov. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy summer. I think it officially started last night, June 20th, summer solstice. Do you feel like you're ready for summer? You want to rip that mask off, run through, the, run through the streets? What are you thinking? I could tell you my air conditioning bill is looking like it's <laughs> summer. I mean, we've been in, you know, like close to around 110 all week. It's been uh, pretty rough, to be honest, you know, the, you get in the car, you don't roll down the window, you actually should leave the door wide open, like both pe- driver and passenger, just to get a clear line of ventilation. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> tough, man. Drink water, stay cool, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? Indeed. Yeah. Do you have, you like, know. the fancy stroller for Joe with, like, the... Sh- nice shade over the front or something yeah dude they they do he does have one of those but like they get hot you know what i mean because it's like thick thick material (laughs) so he just he just runs free in the park i just let him go (laughs) you're so responsible (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm next to him you know say don't try to fix it don't lie (laughs) no but uh, i i believe you i swear um natalie you know what i'll say this i think when we did the show last week i did not expect so much talking points so many talking points when we would come back around but by the time i got done with the fights on saturday i was like i really want to talk about this stuff (laughs) i cannot wait to get into it so it's mma daily let's talk about the mma to get it rolling um, the featherweight fight between Korean Zombie and Dan Ige, um, pretty much all the guys kind of ad- admitted as much. This is a big fight, like I had said last week, to prove you could still be a top five guy and set up a top three, top two fight to become a title challenger. And I think that they both fought like it. Um, uh, uh, Dan Ige, very tough. He did a lot of what I thought he was going to be able to do, which was, you know, try to get it going with high volume. I know he was coming off the fast knockout, but I said, look, it's going to be volume versus, you know, the precision and the power. And that's exactly what it was for Korean Zombie. He got to his mark. He just outfought Dan Ige, got takedowns, just really did everything he needed to to stay ahead of Ige, it reminded me a lot of Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Wasn't that Kelvin wasn't trying to do some things and wasn't making this a difficult fight, but the fact is he was just in there against a more talented mixed martial artist. And I think that uh, stylistically, Korean Zombie just had his number and 
he really just did everything he needed to to really take that one decisively, in my opinion. He did. He did. And the size difference, you know, same featherweight division, but Danny Gay looked so much smaller than the Korean zombie in that, you know, that small cage, too. He had his moments, of course, you know, uh, Dan Ige did fourth round and the fifth round, but Chan Sun uh, Jung, I don't know why I'm calling him that, the Korean zombie. Um, yeah, he was just the, he was just ahead of, of Dan Ige in, in most every way, stronger, faster, the grappling advantage that he, that he used. And, uh, but I was impressed is, is what I came away with, with both fighters, but with Danny game more, because he really had to dig deep in that fourth round when, you know, you've lost the fight basically, and you still find something to go get him, you know, to, 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 to get in there and try get a knockout. Like that was, that was impressive and not surprising because Danny is just that kind of guy. But this is one of those fights where even though, Dan lost. He made such a good showing of himself that he's still high up there in everyone's minds and will probably get a good um, fight after this. We'll be booked in a good fight following this loss. No, I agree with you. He always represents for himself. He's, uh, you know, make sure he makes all his fellow Hawaiians proud. You know, just every time it goes out there, win or lose, I'm with you there. Uh, to me, I think that this was exactly the kind of um, performance you... Uh, it's a B-plus for Korean Zombie. I think that an A would have been a lot of the same, but you finally get the finish. You finally do get that opening, and you close the show. And part of that, you know, I'll give credit to Dan Ige. Like I said, he didn't go away quietly. Calvin Cater hits hard. He won his fight with uh, against Dan. He couldn't get him out of there. So I do respect that this is harder than, you know, it sounds like I might be asking. But I felt like that's what Korean Zombie needed. He needed to prove he can not only just, oh, I can shock you quickly. No, he needs to prove he can put it together, you know, go, you know, a couple rounds. But I would have liked the finish, especially if you're talking about you want to make a statement to prove you are a top five guy, can be a top three guy. In that featherweight division because right now you have like that three-headed monster like the one that Godzilla fought in that one movie you got obviously the king right now Volkanovsky I know you like that right you got Max you got Brian Ortega still out there making choices in the cage and in his preparation um you know so you talk about he already lost to Ortega he needed something to kind of re-announce himself this does not move him down, but I don't think it necessarily, oh, I really need to see Zombie versus, you know, Volkanovski, Zombie versus Max. I know he shot his shot. It just didn't happen. Yeah, um, that's correct. It was a, a great win. It wasn't a triumphant win that, that takes you to that next level and puts you right in the conversation and has you as the, the, you know, the backup guy in case something happens. Now he could probably still be that guy, but it's not it's not the conversation starter that um, he was probably hoping it, it would be. Still a strong, strong win, and you know Korean Zombie is always going to be at the top uh, uh, of this uh, of this division for a while. Um, so you know, you know, well uh, that sets it up because um, you talk about who you could pair him up with. I really feel like. 
he would deserve someone like the if Volkanovski were to lose to Ortega and I'm assuming they have that fight in late summer early fall I feel like that fight would make the most sense it would be an opponent ranked above him someone fresh you know in Volkanovski um the Mac I do feel like Max is probably gonna stay committed to Yair Rodriguez personally or you know what uh if the timing works out, let's say they do schedule Volkanovski Ortega August, and then you know Max heals up, and it's like, hey, you know, yeah, I can wait for my title fight now or something like that. Then maybe we could see a, you know, a curveball there. But if not Volkanovski, I feel like Zombie really. He's just going to be in a waiting period. I'm sure a guy like, you know, Edson Barbosa, Giga Chikatsi, they're going to try to call him out. But I think Zombie should wait, see, you know, take the temperature, so to speak. And hopefully one of these matchups for him materializes. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the Korean Zombie is, is still special, still a big name. He should wait. His time will come in the near future. Um Looking back and at, at you know fighters ranked below him, that only benefits the fighters below him, right? So, unless there's some really special reason why he wants to fight someone that's not going to get him one step closer to the belt or get him to actually be the belt holder, um, you know, it, unless that's going to happen, he should just wait for, uh, for 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 Ortega Volkanovski or you know how it all shakes out with Max and Yair. So it's not an immediate you know, um, shot to the belt, but it's closer than if he, if he fights someone beneath him. I do want to bring that up before we get too far. Where do you think we're at with Volkanovski Ortega? Like, uh, uh, they're, they're what? I, I think this is going to be week four already of the ultimate fighter. Um, typical season, what about 10, 11 episodes? So let's say, you know, no weeks off, you could have that fight. Uh, I think it depends on um, really Alex and his travel, because I feel like if they were to make a deal tomorrow, they could still add that to the August 7th pay-per-view or because the, you know, I know Helwani dropped the nugget that he felt like the, you know, the inkling they were getting is that the Derek Lewis and Ganu rematch is not going to go for uh, the August pay-per-view, which is the one I think they were really targeting for them. Sure. I mean, if if these guys are willing to go, and I, I suspect that they are, having to get delayed, you know, Volkanovski and Ortega having to delay their meetup, their matchup, not only just regular delayed, but then it's like, man, you got to do tough. You got to see each other. Uh, all the time and and whatever rivalry there existed between them is going to get completely blown up because you're going to see a whole other side of these uh, of your opponent so with all that in mind yeah i think the sooner rather the sooner the better they want to get uh they want to get after it we want to see them get after it so if there is an opportunity in august if that's the earliest we can do it um then yes please august seems far away but it's actually not right it's not that far away it's already june 21st so yeah let's do that I just feel like that that makes the most sense. I don't think um, we know Whitaker's not going to rush to fight 
Adesanya, and Adesanya's coming off a five-rounder, dominant, but still a five-rounder, so it's like, the board is not really that full, and I feel like they want someone, a bigger name, like, I get the just feeling that they don't feel like Valentina would be enough to bolster it on short notice, although I'm sure that probably will be discussed if it's not there, but, um, yeah, that's just where we're at, but, um, anyway, good night of action. Just a really well-balanced diet over there on the fight night. But uh, I'll say it was just the most nicely paced night of combat sports, Natalie. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you get done with the UFC early. And then maybe you're watching, you know, some basketball with the Nets and Milwaukee. They go to overtime. It was an epic game. Superstars playing like superstars. It was a lot of fun. And then you tune over to boxing, and the man, the <laughs> legend, my boy Anderson Silva, goes out there like it's 2010, and he puts on a straight clinic on Cesar Chavez Jr. What did you think about this? Um, just I, I'll say this: that was what we wanted. Everything the Uriah Hall fight to be, in my opinion. Just turn back the clock. He was lighting him up. He was lighting him up with swag. It was beautiful, in my opinion. It was it was beautiful, and it was so inspiring and just thrilling to see Anderson Silva be able to perform as Anderson Silva and to be confident, to have great conditioning, to, to, to show off his counter-punching skills i mean this was everything we'd hoped to see you said with Ray hall i'm talking about you know this in this you know uh cross uh combat sports world that we're in now like having anderson silva go out there and beat a boxer not just any boxer but someone with a legendary name the career may not be so legendary for junior but the name is and Anderson Silva had all the swagger in the world, man. I was so happy to see him just enjoying himself and being really good. His head movement, his his reflexes were on point. I just, you know, I think it was it should have been a unanimous decision instead of a split decision. But they, you know, when when the announcement came, when the when the decision was read, and Silva went to celebrate with his corner, like they were so thrilled as like they won the world cup. Like they were all hugging each other, jumping up and down because, you know, MMA needed a win in the, in the boxing world. Right. We were getting embarrassed and this was beautiful. This was a, a tremendous win and who better to do it than the best ever in MMA. So I'm just so happy. Yeah. Same. Um, I, I will admit, yeah, it's not lost on me. Anderson Silva is 46. The, you know, the well of magic, you know, he's probably just saved up a few bottles and <laughs> I'm not going to lie and be like, he's still got gallons back at the house. He's probably just oh, no. got a little bit more, but, um, you know, people threw this out there. Anderson Roy Jones Jr. on a thriller undercard somewhere. What do you think about that? That would be amazing. I mean, they would they would showboat each other out of their gloves. Um, that would be pretty fun to watch, though. I, I don't know how well Silva would do against Roy Jones Jr., but 
it would be really fun. And, you know, that's someone he's always, Silva's always wanted to fight. And uh, that would be thrilling for sure. I, uh, I'm getting pretty excited actually just thinking about that. I hope they get that to happen for, for more for Anderson Silva than, than anything. Cause, cause that would, I think that would be like the perfect cap, the perfect ending to his combat sports career. Should he choose to stop there? No cap. That would be the perfect cap to Anderson's career. You're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Did I use slang that was, did I use slang that was just a little too young for you there? <laughs> I'm as old as Matt Brown. So. I, I had to urban dictionary that no cap is like no lie. And then it's like, okay. I mean, I don't know why we decided we needed to change it, but all right. Um, yeah, it's still three letters, so it didn't help shorten it. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> it, it, it is fun every now and then. Um, you know what? Uh, yeah, I would like it. I think that... Uh, I don't know if I necessarily am already invested in another Paul brother fight, but th- that's a story for another day. There's a lot going on in Triller, so which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, just uh, look, Anderson Silva, he represented, um, and I think you saw a lot of people happy for his uh, overall career. Just um, I think you saw him get to be recognized in front of fans for all the enjoyment he brought. I think you got to see him. You knew how much it meant to him to test himself. Uh, there was the MMA versus boxing aspect. And then, you know, respectfully and underlyingly, there's always that talk about, well, you know, the freedom to do what you want with your career. And, you know, we saw that a bit. We talked about it at length now with GSP wanting to box Oscar De La Hoya. So I think there was just a lot of celebration that Anderson Silva, he was winning not just the fight, but the business now after everything he gave to the game. And I think that was just very refreshing. I I did not see anybody saying they did not enjoy watching Anderson do his thing on Saturday. And I think that that's a very beautiful thing, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Um, I wish those good feelings kept rolling all week. <laughs> I really do. Because uh, we go back to Friday night and um, Rory McDonald. Uh, look, I, I gotta say this, Glayson Tebow, I think that, um, similar to Dan Ige, like we talked about with the zombie, he did not, he was not a pushover, that was not a walk in the park for Rory, he did force Rory to, you know, fight at an elite level, but at the end of the day, I felt like that was Rory's fight, I felt like he was connecting more, I felt like he was getting to his spots more, I just felt like he was leading the dance, and even though Glayson you know, big, powerful, in there, you know, brought that real pit bull, you know, kind of mentality into the cage and was trying to push Rory. I just don't feel like he got the job done. And then they read the scorecards, split decision for Glayson Tebow. Um, Tebow was already out of the tournament. I think he needed, um, he would have needed, I think, a first round knockout to, I think, even impact anything. So he takes his win bonus check. Rory now moves to the second seed. He's going to fight Ray Cooper now in the first round. And then uh, season one champion Magomed Magomedkarmov. I'm going to butcher his name, but I know he kicks some butt. But uh, Joe Zeferino um, is the other welterweight semifinal matchup. So what are your thoughts on this? Because that was just a... uh, 
Well, you know what? Did you see it the same way? Did it seem like it was going Rory's way or did you feel like it was more controversial than people let on? Well, I thought Rory won the fight, but it wasn't one of those clear-cut, you know, dominant round to minute-by-minute, round-to-round kind of kind of wins. And especially in the third round, Rory was being very evasive. The commentators even called out, you know, his footwork, his shuffling, left, right, side to side, all around. And T-Bow was doing his best to, to stay with him and throwing hard shots, trying to stop Rory's movement. And so, you know, when someone's moving that much, you can look at it as an effective defense, or you can sort of look at it as evading, running, you know, in quotation marks. So I think maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, because Rory wasn't doing what probably people wanted to see or maybe what the judges were, or I don't know, I don't think they have expectations. They shouldn't, right? But, you know, Rory wasn't pushing hard. He was being careful. He was being, um, he he was surgical. He was using precision. He was following a game plan. He wanted to win the fight. I think he was and, a little too he, cautious kind of deal. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, yeah. And so, and so, so you leave room there for people to interpret energy and, and T-Bow had more aggression in his offense. Now it was limited offense, but when he went for it, it looked more intense. And I think that could have maybe swayed the, the, uh, the minds there of the judges, not maybe it did, but I think Rory won the fight. It's just one of those situations where, uh, the other guy looked, uh, you know, energy. The other guy looked more intense. Rory looked focused, and things get lost in the middle there. So um, it sucks for Rory to have that loss and to have it on your mind that you know you won, but you didn't get the 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 props for it. Fortunately, he still moves forward. Um, makes things a little bit interesting for him and. You know, is that a is that a challenge that he wanted? Did he want to just cruise to the top, or is he kind of excited to have to claw his way up? I don't know, but fighting Roy—I uh, always call him Roy—fighting Ray Cooper—that's a heck of a matchup, man. Like, you got a, a Bellator champion, one of the bigger names in MMA, still fighting the former PFL or you know the previous season's champion. That's kind of the one of the fights you'd want to see at the very end, and we're getting it. We're getting it now. So I'm excited for the matchup, but it sucks for PFL because they're going to lose one of their one of their you know top names right off the bat as we get into the finals. Uh, I want to talk about that in a second. I I want to ask you because um going back to the Bellator welterweight Grand Prix and Rory made the final. You know, he obviously lost a pretty clear decision to Douglas Lima in the rematch. But before that, remember that Rory was still performing really well. Remember that Rory was also able to, um, you know, he went up to middleweight, fought Gegard Mousasi. And then we got to this point and it, it just seemed like, has Rory fallen off the elite level is my question. Uh, a, a little bit. Yes. He looks really good. I think he actually looks better than he did in some of his Bellator fights. His physique, his speed of his hands, his aggression. I think he looks better. 
but I don't think I think that, that well, despite that he's still not the killer that we remember from UFC days so it's also important though to remember there are levels to these promotions and so what caliber of opponents is he facing in PFL are they at his level versus the overall MMA you know if you put like all the promotions together and you mix them up where does Rory sit uh you know he's he's gonna be lower but if you just look at him as compared to his PFL compatriots there you know he's he's basically at the top so yeah I mean with age with time decline comes he's still really good but he's you know he's not as good as he once was that's okay that's fine because well, you remember they had that argument that um, Styles make fights, but that Rory, because he beat Tyron Woodley, who at the time when Rory left to Bellator, you know, Tyron was champion. So it's like, well, does Bellator inadvertently now have the best welterweight in the, in the world? I don't know if you could say, hey, had Rory gone back to UFC, for example, that we would still necessarily regard him as that top, you know, top three welterweight. And I, I think that when I look at it, he handled business with Curtis Millinder. But when you, I think the fact that Gleason Stebow's body of work kind of works against him. Because, you know, Gleason, we're being honest, you know, he was up and down in his UFC career. I do give him credit, yes. Arguably, he did beat Habib Nurmagomedov. Habib couldn't take him down. It was a very close fight. I, you, I've watched it back. You can make an argument it was Glayson's fight. Um, still co- very competitive. It wasn't a blowout. But the fact is, you know, this is a guy who, um, you know, he was not that guy every single night. And so I think that when you have this fight for Rory, you know, you kind of start to ask, it's like, well, is he still able to produce that kind of, you know, magic that he had in route to that UFC title shot against um, Robbie Lawler every night out and I feel like that's kind of something we've we're just missing and I feel like you know even though it was a close fight uh, or you know a competitive fight at one that he should have won I was just a little surprised because I feel like you know this is somebody Rory McDonald should run through so I think that the decision actually is affected a little more the conversation but um to your point to bring it back, I do believe that he looks great against a Ray Cooper. He looks great against Magomed or Zeferino. Suddenly that conversation, you know, like, Gabriel, what were you thinking? Rory just, you know, Gleason was tougher than we thought he'd be, and Rory's back in action. So he does have a great opportunity here. He wins the tournament. We're not talking about the robbery against Tebow, you know, come January. Right. Yeah. It's just, uh, it, yeah, that's not even, it's, it's like a blip in the storyline. So with the welterweights, is this PF, is this PFL's dream route for Rory? At the end of the day, you're going to get to fight Ray Cooper and you're either fighting the season one champion, which is a nice story. You beat both champions or you beat Ray and you still get to beat the number one seed who was killing it this year. Is like was is this the master plan? I'm not saying it was fixed, <laughs> but you you know where I'm going. Is this like, hey, we get what we wanted? 
yeah, I think, you know, I just imagine these, these war rooms having all the names up or posters or whatever, and you sort of look at how everything could shake out. And this was probably star option number one, ideal road, because we get big name matchup, big name matchup, bigger name matchup with the, you know, it just keeps looking good on the poster or on the thumbnail. Uh, so yeah, this is probably the the, the best of, of of multiple options. But any way you slice it, I think they were going to be happy. This uh, this one makes them smile a little more, though. I bet. Yeah, I'm with you there. And um, obviously they're also back this week. Kayla Harrison's back, and that one's obviously the one to watch. She's fighting a big name and Cindy Dandois. Uh, Anthony Pettis, he got rescheduled for this coming week, so he'll try to make the playoffs now. Um, It's just a nice way. I I think they're the last one. I think they're the last weight class to figure it out. There might be one more. It might be the featherweights with Lance Palmer and them, but I want to say that they are the last uh, regular season coming up at uh, June 25th. Okay. And then uh, the bad news, Natalie. Uh-oh. Max Holloway, our proud Hawaiian, the hands versus the feet, remember? <laughs> and we find out he's out of the fight with Yair Rodriguez. What was your reaction? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was disappointed because of the featherweight picture, you know, we're trying to get a, a clearer picture, I should say, and get a little more uh, structure here with, you know, when are Volkanovski and Ortega going to fight, and then who's going to be next after that, or who could be the backup if one of them falls through. And Max Holloway looks so good against Kelvin Cater, and this matchup is so juicy. Yes, it's disappointing, but, man, a healthy Max Holloway is, like, amazing to watch so okay we'll wait we want you to to feel good so it's fine yeah you know um you know that gift people use when they got faked out for bad news with denzel washington and he kind of pretends like he's shot and then he laughs it off (laughs) is that from training day (laughs) yeah i can't remember no it wasn't a training day but i'll send it to you but yeah for fans who've seen it the first part, that's what I felt like when he just clutches his chest like, <gasps> that's that's what it felt like finding out Max was out of that fight. I was really looking forward to it. I felt like, um, you know what? They just kind of sneakily stacked that ESPN card. You know, he's going to have Max and Misha. I believe Islam Mahachev is on that card. I have to double check if it's either that one or he's on the... Sanhagen Dillashaw undercard the following week but um yeah you know what uh it was just disappointing I did um did see Giga Chikatsi obviously you know call for the fight with Yair see if he'll step up like I said um I think a guy like Edson Barbosa versus Yair Rodriguez coming off that delayed knockout victory I mean that's that could be fun television my question Yair Rodriguez obviously wants Max Holloway. We don't know how bad the injury is. We don't know any of um that other stuff. If you're Yair, do you try to stay on that fight in July? With Max? Uh, no, with anybody. Max is with Max oh, being removed. Card, yeah, like stay on the card. Yeah, like stay stay on the card. card. Um, ooh, when did he last fight? 
I think it was like October 2019, pre-pandemic. Yeah, if I'm him, I just want to fight. Um, because you want to get, you know, just stay active, man. You can't just sit on the sidelines now. Max Holloway is a great opponent, and a win over him is going to shoot you into the stratosphere. But, like, it's more important, I think, to just get the reps in. So, yes, if I'm him... I say, I'll take anybody else. That's fine. I know they play these close to the chest, but I would hope that when they ask Yair, just they tell him like, hey, like, is it like he sprained his ankle? We've got to move it a month. Or is it like he tore his ACL? This ain't going to happen anytime soon. I hope they tell him like, hey, it might be soon. Or they tell, no, you better, you know, don't hold your breath. If it is the former, uh, yeah, just, I get it. It's Max Holloway. Anytime you get a fight like that, especially, you know, knowing that Max could be locked into the title picture, you want to take it. If he has been given any inclination, it's going to be a long wait. I do think you really got to consider taking another fight just because at this point, you know, we're talking about a very long layoff. Um, I think the only thing that helps him is that he's still in that spot. And everything I've read is that Zabit, quite bluntly, is not coming back soon. I've heard, I think I read a possible autoimmune disease issue. I've heard, you know, he's got, getting a procedure done and had surgery postponed. Um, but everything I understand about what's going on with Zabit is that you should not expect him to step in on short notice in July. So I feel like in that case, Yair is in a good spot to wait a bit, but at a certain point, it's like, man, how long are we really waiting? I mean, it's going to be, we're approaching a two-year layoff almost, you know. He, he said he was healing up some injuries and he'd been working on himself, but at a certain point, it's like the line does have to move on. And I do see guys like Giga and Edson, and it's like, yeah, they are, they're here and they're ready to fight. And I do want to see, I want to see the best fights. And I don't think we get that if we keep waiting for Max, Yair, etc. Yeah, also, like, how do you pay your bills? I mean, I don't know. But he, I don't know. <laughs> like, you got to make money too, right? I mean, I feel like he can, you know, he's probably a very uh, resourceful guy. You know, there's always delivering pizzas, Uber, <laughs> Postmates. You could go to the shopping mall and, you know, are our commercials, is our advertising working on you? Circle yes, circle no. Um, I checked it, yeah, October 2019. Um, if you don't get the max fight within two months from July, you take someone else. Because remember, if they fight Volkanovski and Ortega, and let's say Ortega wins, Max Holloway is not waiting. He's going straight into a title fight. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, don't don't try to roll the dice too much thinking Max is going to honor it. Every, you know, it's just smart business competitively to fight Bryans. So, or Alex, which is very could well be the case. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Anyway, but yeah, so that was a lot of our breaking news. 
And then we had this little nugget, and I just thought, oh, I can't wait to talk to Natalie about this, too. <laughs> I can only imagine what she's going to say. Uh, Vitor Belfort comes out of retirement. He last fought in 2018, and it lost to Lyoto Machida in the UFC. And he will be taken on in the beautiful promotion of, of Triller, Oscar De La Hoya was not fought since 08, enters the fight at 48 years old, and not only are they going to headline, they are head their fight card is the culmination of a weekend-long concert festivities featuring, I don't know if they're performing or if they are just kind of on the mic to introduce, kind of like actors at the Oscars, but Swiss Beats and Timbaland. And there will even be a rap battle made famous by that show, Versus. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's all you had to say. Um, That's all I want to say. I want to let you have the good stuff. Yes, thank you. Uh, wow. The opponent for Oscar De La Hoya is a disappointing choice in my eyes because I keep going back to, and you know, I'm the sucker for believing it, Oscar on the three knockdown rule podcast telling his buddy Mario Lopez telling Steve Kim I, I want to fight a real boxer I want to I want, I want a real fighter I want to make this a good fight I don't care if I get knocked out I just want to fight again that's it I was so pumped up I believed him the rumors were then Eddie Alvarez GSP and I was we talked about it on the podcast why are you going after an MMA person fight a boxer Sergio Martinez I don't know I mean there's plenty of options. Even Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., right? Like, Oscar doesn't have to cut a bunch of weight, and I don't even know what weight they're going to fight. Uh, he's going to fight Vitor at. But, you know, there are way more exciting options than Vitor freaking Belfort. And is it going to be TRT Vitor? Because then that's kind of dangerous, even though he's, <laughs> you know, 44, but Oscar's 48, you know? Um, so I definitely don't want to see Vitor Belfort, you know, look, look. Oscar's done enough to tarnish tarnish his image. I don't need to to get into it, but I don't want to see I don't want to see the Golden Boy get get murked by Vitor Belfort. I'm not saying that that's really a, a chance. There's really a chance there because Oscar is an amazing high caliber boxer. His speed is is still top notch. You know, it's not going to be what it used to be, but compared to most most people, he's still got hand speed. He's still got reflexes. Uh yeah, I'm gonna watch it, of course. Um, but it's just the di- it's just disappointing matchup. Like, come on, guys, that's that's the best you could do. That's the best you were willing to do. They tried. What do you think? Do you think they tried GSP? Yeah, that's great. But like, from GSP to Vitor, <laughs> come on, <laughs> there weren't any boxers. Like, why do you think he didn't want to fight a boxer? You know, well, do you the... think that nobody wanted to fight him? Really? I mean. Just to go back to it, did you happen to see the highlights of Cesar Chavez against Camacho Jr.? I'm going to just tell you No, I didn't, unfortunately. I encourage you to get on YouTube. I will tell you right now, it is about a 15-minute clip you'll find, and it is worth every second. Watch it. That Look, we you go in knowing Cesar Chavez is about 60, and I'm going to just tell you right now, that was the most entertaining more entertaining than Tyson Jones and Mayweather Paul. I'm going to just tell you that right now. That's how fun it was watching Cesar Chavez 
do an exhibition. Um, they knew what fans wanted. They found a way to give you drama, even though he obviously wasn't going to light up the boxing with his skills, you know, against a younger guy. My well, thing about this with Oscar and Vitor, stylistically, I don't know that we could get the same kind of fun. And I'll just say this right now. Yes, Oscar is a fantastic boxer in his day. I don't know if he has the same qualities that will still make him brilliant at this age, that it'll be fun. And by the same token, when I think about Vitor Belfort, I think about someone who I believe on paper should be physically way too big for Oscar De La Hoya. And I certainly don't want to think about TRT Vitor because um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, Oscar's still 48. And I do think that Vitor, uh, although he has gotten older, I feel like there's a big difference between 44 and 48 in, the, in boxing. So I, I just feel like st- when you look at the ones we've had recently, and yes, I'm thinking about Jake Paul with his opponents and Mayweather Logan and a lot of these quote-unquote, uh, you know, the circus fights, MMA versus boxing or boxing versus a influencer, the personalities really got you hooked. I want to ask you, Natalie, individually or together, are you necessarily very invested to see this fight? You mean... With yeah, Victor I mean, and Oscar. I mean, you, I know you said you watch it, but when you think about, like, you know... I guess where's the hook? Because it's like, oh, it's Oscar and Vitor. It's like, oh, the hook it... is Oscar. The hook is Oscar. Okay. You know, if if he had been fighting GSP, it would have been double hook, right? GSP boxing, Oscar's back in boxing, and they're gonna clash. Now it's okay. Let's see how Oscar looks. And this other guy, not I don't mean it, you know, disrespectfully, but from the boxing perspective, this other man here. Um, has a you know they show his highlight reel you know from MMA and it's impressive of course and uh and so MMA fans will tune in to see Vitor but I don't think it's going to be the double draw it would have been with the GSP now you know Oscar's still a huge name he's a big draw and I think uh, polarizing not for his personality but for his just you know outside of the ring life, his life outside of the ring, you know? So there's going to be people tuning in to see how he looks, to see him win, to see him lose. Um, but yeah, you're, you're losing some energy there with the opponent being Vitor Belfort. And, uh, gosh, it's just a bummer, man. It's just a bummer because I haven't seen Vitor fight in a long time. Yeah, Leota Machido murked him with that with the front kick, right? But when was the last time you saw Vitor Belfort look good in the cage? I mean, I don't I can't even think of it. Can you? Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. It's been quite a bit. Uh, so here's my thing about it is that um I thought about Tyson and Jones, they had that appeal that they were it was new. Right, it was like, what's this thriller thing? They're doing the music and the boxing, and you know, yeah, they're doing Jake Paul, and you know, all this. Uh, there were so many ingredients in there that people tuned in, and they promoted it well. They got them out in front of the right people to get you to realize not only is this happening, 
but it's probably going to be wild. And, um, you know, Jake Paul, Ben Askren, I think that you felt like, wait, what are they really, you know, there was a hook there, you know, I, I got it there. Um, Mayweather Paul, you're tuning in to see if Mayweather can do his thing against someone younger, bigger. Can he also bring in the numbers against somebody who's not a boxer, but arguably more famous than some of the guys he fought? I get all that. When I look at Oscar Vitor as a matchup, I'm like, like, I don't feel the same way I do because of the personalities to say, oh, this is MMA versus boxing. Like, I don't, I'm surprised by the choice and the matchup of the two champions of their sports to come to represent them. And then I think that as a matchup by itself of the individuals, I think, yeah, I'm with you there. It's all Oscar, but I think the only sell for Vitor is that he's bigger. I don't see a clash of personalities there with Vitor for Oscar. And it's like, I do think that's a big hook that we're just missing. So that to me is really the, uh, the be-all, end-all. I, I am very interested to see when they start getting out and doing interviews because similar to kind of Mayweather Paul and Jake Paul Tyron, I think that you're going to need to sell something more than just the fact that I'm Oscar and I'm coming back and I'm Vitor and I'm here for MMA because I think by itself, they it just doesn't work. Yeah, somebody has to throw the first low blow in the on the mic to get people fired up about this because on their own they're not like thrilling personalities you know as far as marketing goes oscar like think about how he sounded on the last thriller event you know he was i don't know a little too hyped up shouting into the microphone like you know he's not going to be presumably in the same mindset that he was then but he's just not known for being great on the mic he's not known for being a, a you know a wordsmith quick-witted that's just not his game and that's fine he didn't need it he never needed it because he always performed he always fought the best and he always performed uh, amazingly in the in the ring vitor i mean was he a was he a mic a mic master was he a chael sonnen uh, that i and i just missed it i don't know Oh no, he talked with his fists. Yeah, but, like um, also. So I will so say someone's going to have to get dirty here before uh, before the fight starts to get people interested, you know, gotcha hat type of thing, but but not uh, quite that. Yes, please no. Um <laughs> final note, I think one of the biggest thing that hurts Oscar is that we've seen now if if you're Oscar in my opinion, you lean fully into the Anderson Silva win. And you got to be like, you know what? These MMA fighters think that they, you know, proven something. I need to prove, you know, I'm here to remind you, you know, like a real boxer, a real feared knockout artist and blah, blah, blah. Um, because, yeah, like, you know, to add more, I just think that it'll be... Uh, if you're selling the personalities, it's not going to work. They don't have any... There's no heat there, really. No heat, no heat. Yep. No cap. um yeah did you see vito was gonna fight this social media guy the real tarzan who's out there with like all these exotic animals and i heard he's like a wildlife conservation guy and to his credit he looks young and jacked like you know hits the gym and it pays off for him but 
It's like, really, you're fighting Vitor? Huh. That really makes me think that, like, Oscar and his camp or his team, whoever's making the decisions, Triller, like, that they got desperate. Because really, like, I mean, this is, for, for Vitor, this is, like, probably the greatest gift he, he never could have imagined. I'm about to fight the real Tarzan, and then someone taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, do you want to fight freaking Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, that'd be great. How much? Yeah, definitely. Sign me up. Heck yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, that means that they couldn't find anyone else, and they had to they had to freaking Google MMA fighter who's boxing that hasn't, you know, coming up, and they found Vitor, and they're like, oh, oh, maybe we can get this guy. Yeah, okay. A last like, point, on. and I find this concerning, so I'm going to bring it up, but I always remember, because I was there, the uh, dropped ball by several parties of Golden Boy MMA. And uh, I always said, and I like, look, if Oscar is just there to put the Golden Boy name on it and let other more knowledgeable, MMA knowledgeable guys run it, I, just please admit so. Because I always felt like the more I listened to Oscar talk about MMA, the more I was disappointed about what he was, his lack of knowledge. I felt like, would you do that to your boxers if you were selling a boxing card or something like that and look i'm not saying everyone top to bottom on a boxing card is someone he was heavily invested in but i felt like he was kind of just there to put his name on it but still sound like an expert when all he was doing was putting his name on it which i always said if that was always your plan just let someone else who knows do the talking this does make me worried because i do wonder like you just brought up is he, um, does he, how much does he know about Vitor? Does he know Vitor is that much bigger than him? Mm-hmm. And I feel, common sense says he should. Common sense should also say he knows Chuck Liddell is not Chuck Lydell. Yeah, exactly. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Mic drop. There we go. We got a big fight on Saturday. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and one of the things I like about this one, two, arguably the most technically proficient strikers we have right now at heavyweight. Literally, like, uh, and yes, uh, they hit you, they hit hard, but I think the point is that their fights, almost, you almost like that they go to decision because you get to see just how technically good they are for being big guys. And look, we love when heavyweights get the knockouts. But I will say to you right now that I think that we are going to see probably one of the possibly best striking clinics by heavyweights that we've seen in a while with Cyril Gaon and Alexander Volkov. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm like a frat, a frat boy, a frat guy when it comes to heavyweights. Uh, I want to see them just knock each other out. And so <laughs> these guys, uh, when they fight, I'm like, ah, oh, okay, you know, I'll check it out. But I'm not... Oh, you know, so thrilled because I'm just that kind of uh, kind of MMA uh, fan when it comes to heavyweights. But yeah, you're right on. These are the 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 skilled technicians of the big guy division, and you know that's a good thing because it's better to have that. That is your foundation, like skilled all across the board, uh, able to use patience and. Um, game plan you know 
transition nicely between offense and defense. Like that's going to come in handy when you get into the cage with someone who's going to charge forward and try to knock you out. You can use your footwork. You can use your head movement. You can, you know, use all that good stuff. So this is a great fight. It's an important fight. And, um, you know, we saw Cyril gone. He, he, he beat just recently. Oh yeah. You're Rosenstrike, right? That was his last, uh, Jair. Yeah. That was his last fight. And, uh, you know, just doing exactly what we're talking about that he's great at doing using all his skills and, um, and, and getting a decision. So what, what are the chances that these two technicians are going to just technique each other till the end, till the, till the bell rings? Uh, I think it's pretty high. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be trying to take any chances here. It's a really important fight. The winner's going to have uh, be in a great position the downside is that if your fight isn't very exciting, then you're not going to be the first person Dana White or the powers that be think of should a replacement be required or, you know, for the, uh, for the, for the championship fight or, you know, just anything else where they need someone big and heavyweight to, to, to make an impact on the card. But then I think about like Marvin Vittori when he fought, um, what was it Kevin Holland? Who did he fight before? Yeah. Adesanya. Okay. And I remember saying to you, well, that, that win was, was uninspiring and, you know, don't, don't expect him to be fighting for the belt anytime soon. And then boom, there he goes. So, you know, as we know, in the world of MMA, especially UFC, there are no guarantees and a bad performance doesn't necessarily mean a bad outcome and vice versa. So in this case, uh, I would just say we can expect a technically proficient battle and, um, I think I'll toss it back to you after that because I'm not really sure. I'm still not really sure how this is going to go. Technique you like more? <laughs> you know, um, I got to tell you right now. I think that these two, when I look at them, the only guys in the division I see giving them problems, honestly, are people who can overpower them or Curtis Blades. So I mean, like for example, when I think about Nganu, that's a guy who overpowers them. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily could see even a guy like Stipe as good as he is because of how lengthy they are. I think that Stipe really has to be pushed to the elite level against a guy as good as Volkov and for what we've seen from Gon. And then Curtis Blades, I think he just kind of uses his wrestling and he kind of takes all that proficiency of their striking out of it. But I bring that up to say that when they're on point, they beat most of the heavyweights out there on any given night. They are both that good, and they've been that consistent so far. I think for Gon, ironically, he needs to be the guy to make it a little uglier. I think that he's got a compact frame. He's going to have to eat a few of those Volkov jabs to, you know, to land a few of his strikes. He's got The kicks have to be part of his diet. He can't be like a five-year-old pushing the, you know, the broccoli off the plate. They gotta be right there, and he's gotta be eating mouthfuls of it, because I do think that if he has trouble getting to him with the hands, he is not gonna have a hail mary against Volkov. I think that the way to do it, mix up the strikes, use the kicks, try to chop down the tree, so to speak. I think that's a real big key for Cyril Gan. I think that, um, look, I don't expect either guy to get really lit up unless they've already been hurt. But I do think that the length and the reach and the fact that it isn't just hands, but it's also kicks for Volkov, 
gives him that advantage. Now, could Gon also try to go for some takedowns? He does have um, those submission victories. I do think that's possible. I will say that not every person has the wrestling of Curtis Blades that he's going to be able to do it for all five rounds. You know Volkov is drilling it. He knows that's part of his game to address. But I think once again, is it kind of gives the X factor to Volkov. Can he use his length? Can he get up off the mat if not? Because we know that he's not known for being a home run hitter. I do think that if Gon pushes the action a little bit, he is the more likely one to do damage at close range. So I think that that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, can Volkov stay on the feet and can Gon close the distance? I think uh, other than that, you know, at mid-range should favor Volkov unless Gon uses uh, he's precise with his kicks. So I'll go first. I think that'll make you feel a little better. Um, I really think that um, this one's Volkov. The height, the length. I think that he just knows what he's doing. And I think that uh, stylistically, he just has the kind of tools to give a guy like Gon problems. I think that the way Gon likes to fight, I think that that plays right into Volkov. He's up against a guy who's in my opinion, probably just as smart in terms of the footwork and the movement and the head movement, when to pick his shots. And, you know, he's up against someone who just bluntly, physically poses a lot of problems. So I think that Volkov, not going to be the prettiest all the time. It might get a little boring, but I do think that his skills match up well with Gon's. I agree, actually. Uh, I think uh, I was thinking the same thing about, you know, it's going to be like a steady, just down the middle kind of fight. Volkov's just going to do his thing over and over again until it doesn't work. And then he'll modify slightly and do another thing over and over again until it doesn't work. And that's how the fight's going to go. And he's, it's going to take him all the way to a unanimous decision. So that's how I see it going for Mr. Volkov. And here we are. We're in accordance. <laughs> Natalie will write it down that we didn't um, argue. But uh, yeah, you know, I think um, I'll just say it right now. We'll have this conversation next week or when we come back. But um, John Jones, does he actually get his negotiating done? That is a big part of what could happen next with either of these guys because... If they decide to do Nganu Lewis, for example, September, and John Jones still is waiting, one of these guys is fighting for the title next. I have a hard time seeing Nganu waiting, and I have a hard time seeing Derek Lewis waiting. So I do think that the future looks good for them as of this podcast recording. What about you? I can't, I can't argue with you there. Uh, I don't see John Jones coming. I really don't see that happening anytime soon. Stipe's still there, too. And, uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's an important fight, no doubt. Well, Natalie, next week, believe it or not, we're already back at another break. You know, we're so used to them going, like, you know, 20 weeks in a row that it's on, already been a month and we're going to have no major MMA. It is 4th of July weekend. So we'll be taking a little break. We'll be seeing you know catch some sun maybe we'll talk some news maybe we won't i don't know we'll have to see <laughs> but guys definitely thank you for listening thank you for tuning in take care 
Have a good one.